Welcome to Thriving Entrepreneur with your host, Steve Kidd, third-generation minister and 30-year business coach. Listen in as amazing, world-changing authors, speakers, and coaches share their struggles and victories, and hear from best-selling authors' insight into how you, too, can live your life as a thriving entrepreneur. This is Steve. Welcome to Thriving Entrepreneur. Hey, we've got a lot of really exciting guests today. It is a packed show, so I'm not going to talk a whole lot to you today. I am actually even going to run a commercial-free show today, and we are just going to jump right into guests. Hold on to your hat. Here we go. Join me in welcoming Angela Henderson. Hey, Angela, how are you doing today? I'm great. How are you? I'm doing good, thanks. I really appreciate it. So tell us a little bit about you and how you show up in the world. So yeah, so I initially started showing up in the world uh, for a business, it was my first business called Finley and Me, where we focused on creating childhood memories through play, love and travel as an e-com uh, specialist. And that was really fun, uh, just you know, hanging out with a whole bunch of kid toys and yeah, making sure that parents were going back to the basics and just looking at creating childhood memories because there's a lot of disconnect in the world, in my opinion, we're, we're busy we're overtired, we're extending ourselves. And so I really wanted to bring back those just, yeah, creating childhood memories with your children. So that was my first business, e-com, showing up in the world. And now I show up as a, a business consultant, supporting women in business to get all the pieces in place, to have consistent five-figure months, and then on to six and seven-figure years without burning out in the process. So yeah, so that's where I am now, just, and I yeah, love what, love what I do, uh, seeing women transform and seeing businesses transform. And uh, yeah, it's a pretty good gig. Awesome. So you help them consistently have five figure months. You yeah. must have a secret. Um, what can you share with us? Yeah, I mean, one of the things that I've seen over the years of being in business is that selling, it really comes down. I mean, there's a lot of things that come down. First of all, I guess I'll say is foundations. Is when I start working with the business owners that I do is I really go back to looking at the foundational elements that are needed to grow that sustainable and profitable business. So even if I work with someone, you know, I had a plastic surgeon, one of Australia's top plastic surgeons signed with me last year. And one of the things I did is I went back to the foundations because it's the analogy I use is it's like the story of the three little pigs. Most businesses come to me and they've got a house made of uh, sticks or a house made of hay. It's structurally there, yes, and it's set up and it might be making a little bit of money, but it wouldn't take much for something like COVID to come, uh, a divorce to happen, anything to happen and that business would crumble. So I'm very big about going back and looking at those foundations and building a business made of bricks. That's one of the first things I do and I do that through my profit pillars that I look at. So, you know, do you have a really great product? I mean, the saying that I say is that you can't polish a turd, right? I mean, if your business is a turd, there's not a lot that I can do with that. So we need to make sure that your product is actually validated, that people actually want it, that it's actually buying. We need to make sure, understand that who, who are we talking to in regards to your audience. We need to make sure that your messaging is clear. We need to make sure that you've got a conversional website, not a pretty website. I don't really give two beeps about a, a good, uh, pretty website. It needs to convert because that's your ecosystem. That's your hub. That's your race course. That's where your asset is being built for longevity. And so if you've got a bad website, there's no way that we can then start doing Facebook ads because we're driving traffic back to bad to a bad ecosystem. I also then look at sales funnels, uh, strategy, mindset. Those are my really big things from a foundational element. But once those foundations are there, what I find specifically more in women, if I'm 100% honest, is that they have a problem with sales. They have a problem with skyrocketing their sales. So one of the things that I've developed over the last 10 years in being in business is my 3S framework for skyrocketing your sales. And yeah, I'm happy to go through that with you if that would help your audience. Yes, absolutely. Tell us what the three S's are. The first S is that you have to be showing up. And so I really want the listeners out there to be thinking about how are you showing up? What platforms are you showing up? Because a lot of businesses are showing up on platforms where their audience isn't, aren't actually playing on. So there'll be people who I work with who might be on TikTok. But when I ask them, like, is your audience actually there consuming that, that content versus saying being on LinkedIn or on Instagram or Facebook or listening to podcasts? They're like, ah, probably not. I just like TikTok. 
So if you still want to have fun in your business, but if you're spending all of your time showing up on platforms where your audience isn't actually participating on, you're wasting your time and you're going to see minimal ROI for your business. So really think about where you're showing up. And when I also talk about showing up is when you're showing up, how are you nurturing your audience? How are you engaging with them? And how are you having conversations? Because when you have conversations, you have conversions. So it's really important to be thinking about, yeah, that, that first S is showing up. Um, the second thing that I talk about is the three S is strategy. Just because you're showing up, is that's a great part of it. But if you don't have a strategy in regards to what you're actually going to be doing when you're showing up, you're really just most of the time throwing spaghetti at a wall. So people will come to me and be like, Angie, I am showing up. I show up every single day. But when then I look at what is the content that they're like they're putting up from a strategic point of view, it's it's not meeting it's not meeting the requirements to get people over the line. When I look at strategy also is like what are their long-term business goals and how is that in, implementing and impacting their sales? What is their content strategy? And so it's really important that one, you're, you really focus on that showing up, but two, you're, that second S is you're showing up strategically. The more strategic you can be, the more your business is going to be ran like a well-oiled machine. And when that happens, you're going to see an increase in revenue and profitability. Uh, so my second S is the strategic part of it. My third S that I talk about is really looking at um, selling. And this is where I find so many people start to fall down, is you have to sell in order to be a viable business. So again, a lot of times people show up really well, they might even come with somewhat of a strategy, but part of that strategic part is selling. And so you really have to be able to, to sell it. I mean, you think of it, if you go to a nine to five job, you're given a position description, you probably have a manager that is gonna make sure that you're following that position description. You have KPIs that you have to, that, you know, you have to meet either quarterly, it could be weekly, it could be yearly. If you don't meet those KPIs, you then don't have a job. And so my thing is, is why is that any different as a business owner? Why are you showing up? Why do you have somewhat of a strategy, but then you're not going to sell? I mean, if you don't sell consistently and regularly, you're not going to, you're not going to end up being again, a viable business. So really think about how often are you selling? Um, what type of, are you sharing your products regularly or are you just putting out there like funny memes? Uh, I also talk about when you're selling is, you know, track your time on what you're actually selling and how much hours you're putting into selling. Because again, I'm really big about looking at your numbers and the ROI that is there. Because if you are selling, but you're not seeing any ROI, again, we have to understand why is that happening? Why is your revenue and profitability not increasing? Um, and again, like I said, you, you wouldn't go up into a corporate world and not, you know, meet your KPIs. So why do you self-sabotage that for your own business? So that's kind of it really in a nutshell is that that 3S framework, you need to show up, you need to have a strategy and you need to be selling. If you can implement these, again, people say, well, how often should I be selling? In my opinion, you should be selling every single day. Because the reality of it is, is the algorithm's only showing max 5% of your content on any given day. Because people get scared and they go, yeah, but if I sell every single day, what's going to happen is, is people are going to get annoyed. No, that's a story or belief that you're going to have to get through. You're going to have to unpack that a little bit. They're not going to get annoyed. In my 10 years of running two very successful businesses, I've never received an email from someone telling me that I've sold too often. Your audience needs to be reminded on a regular daily basis of what you have on offer. It doesn't have to be sleazy. It doesn't have to be cheesy. You just have to, again, show up, be strategic and sell, and you will become profitable. Mm. That is so powerful. Um, so here's the question. You teach this to people, and mm -hmm. I know a lot of them do a great job, but Every once in a while, you get the pushback. What would you say is the number one thing that gets in people's ways from really maximizing their sales? Yes, their mindset. 100% is mindset. I can do strategy with anyone on any given day. But if their mindset is a fixed mindset versus a growth mindset, we're going to run into some problems. And so, for example, it, it might not be selling. Selling, I also want to remind you, doesn't have to be something that's like, doesn't just have to be your product, all right? It could be that 
what you're selling or you're putting out to them could be a free discovery call. It could be a checklist. It could be when I talk, it could be anything because again, it's about selling is about getting people into your ecosystem. It's about building up that momentum. It's about building the audience, right? But you need to be letting them know what is on offer free or paid because either way they'll both start to get in funnel. They might just be in different parts of the funnel, but it's mindset, 100% mindset and the blocks that come from that. Normally what I see is when we start to, and I'll be like, Hey, if I do my weekly check-in with my clients, I'll say, listen, you were supposed to do this last week. What happened? Oh, I got busy. Oh, the kids got sick. And maybe that did happen. Their child was in hospital or whatever. But if it comes to the second week, I'm like, no, Susie, this is the second week. What is it? And then I'll start to ask some more open-ended questions. And typically what happens is, you know, they feel like I said, oh, um, they're not worthy of success. Could be. Um, they've got a fear of success because if they start to sell and they start, and sometimes it happens, we actually start to see them making more money and then they freak out. They again, self-sabotage. Self-sabotage in a variety of ways. They start to procrastinate. Oh no, I just have to go and have another photo shoot. Really? Oh, you already have great photos. Why do you need another photo shoot? Oh, because you know, I need, and then they're like their list of the reasons why they need another photo shoot. Or, oh, I need to go get another logo. How don't get me wrong, branding is super important. So super important. Branding images are equally important, especially if you're a service-based kind of personal brand. But you can you don't need those in order to be able to show up every day. You don't need those to be strategic and you don't need those to be able to sell every day. So those are some of the things that I start to look at in those kind of behaviors if they start to avoid doing a task. Um, and typically again, there's money blocks behind that, fear behind that, et cetera, and we need to work on that. So for the person listening today, and they definitely need to go deeper with you, we're going to talk about that in a second, but for somebody who, you know, wants to take action right now, what is something that they could, at the end of this episode, just, you know, take action on right now and start doing in their business? Yeah, one of the things that they could start doing in order to really look at their numbers, right, is go and look at your Google Analytics. That's going to help you with step one about showing up because when you go to Google Analytics, which should be installed on your website, you can go and look at the data. I'm very much about in order for you to make informed decisions, data is what tells us this information. Data doesn't lie. You can't change the data. The data is what it is. The example I use is I was just on a, a coaching call with my, one of my mastermind clients the other day, and she said to me, Ange, I'm showing up, but I'm pulling the plug on Pinterest and I'm pulling the plug on Facebook. I'm getting no ROI from it. Da, 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 da. And she went on. I said, okay, that's fair enough. I said, but before we pull that, let's go into Google Analytics. We went to Google, Google Analytics. We then looked to the part where it talks about, it shows us where the um, social breakdowns are. And Pinterest was actually her number one driver to her website. And so she was going to pull Pinterest as part of her showing up, right? Because she felt that it wasn't converting. So again, what I would say is the first thing to do is go and look at your Google Analytics. See where your traffic is coming from. See where your traffic is landing on is into what pieces of your website that they're most interested in. That's what I would say, first of all, because if you can look at that, you're then going to be able to get more strategic. So if you've been playing over on TikTok and you have zero traffic coming from that, but you've got a lot of traffic coming from Pinterest, you might get rid of the TikTok as part of your overall strategy and double down on Pinterest. So again, Google Analytics is gonna be your best friend when it comes to really assessing what you need to do in this 3S framework. That absolutely makes sense. So for a person who would like to get their business to five figures monthly or better, how can they work with you? Yeah, so the easiest way I say is, is just to go to my website, which is AngelaHenderson.com.au. And once you're there, just click on the work with me button uh, and you can book an, a discovery call. I really think it's important that when I start to work with individuals that I'm actually the right fit. There's a lot of people who will take any client uh, to work with. But if I'm not the right fit for us, then it's going to be really hard for growth right, for, for both individuals. So I always say I start with the discovery call. That way I can understand what's going on for their business in regards to what are their really big goals, what are they struggling with, and I can talk to them a little bit more about how I work because 
I have four different programs that people can access. They can access my 12 month group coaching program, Profit Pillars. They can access my Action Takers Mastermind. They can work with me one-to-one -one, or they can come to Australia's leading four day, three night women in business retreat. So again, in order to really make sure that we guide them in the correct way um, and make sure that I can give them what they need to move them forward, I always say head to angelahenderson.com.au and head uh, and click on the book a discovery call button. That sounds awesome. Well, I do hope that people will join with you. The conference in Australia sounds awesome. I wish I could go. <laughs> <laughs> no, it is. It's a fantastic time. Unfortunately, obviously COVID, do you know what I mean? Likes to have other plans mm -hmm. for us this year, but there's nothing we can do with that. We just pivot and, and change. And one of the things, again, I think is important is pivoting is, you know, this year in, uh, well, this year, I'm just looking at the date, it's the time of recording, but we will also, because I can't run the live event this year, I was like, well, how do, well, how can I still get the tools and resources that community members need, especially women? And I'm honing in on women because I work for uh, the state government here in Queensland, Australia, as one of their top female business mentors. And looking at the data just here in our state, as we know, women fail more than men in business. Uh, and when women were surveyed and asked about this, the reason why they fail is because of lack of resources, lack of understanding, um, lack of willingness to actually ask for help. Whereas typically, and again, this this is the data shows us, males will just be like, dude, I'm stuck, and, like help me, right? Like they've got no problems asking a friend, asking a mate. Whereas women are a lot more reserved. And again, not all women, so don't throw anything at me for those that are listening in their car, but it is. I mean, our data shows that and we have in, uh, extensive amount of data from women that have been interviewed here in the state of Queensland. But one of the things that we've decided to do is pivot with not being able to bring this event so that women have the tools, resources, and community they need is I've actually created the Women in Business Success Summit. And that will be, it's an on-demand summit where I've brought together 50 iconic women in business speakers to present on a 30 to 40 minute masterclass on a particular topic that will help women in business move them forward. Uh, and that will go live on October 28th, Australia time, 27th, pretty much of October, the rest of the world. And uh, yeah, we're super excited to bring those 50 women together, 50 masterclasses for $50. So it's going to be pretty epic. Mm, that's very cool. Well, Angela, I really appreciate you spending some time on the show here with us today. Thanks so much. I hope you have an awesome day. All right, let's jump right to our next super special guest. Are you ready? Join me in welcoming Derek Van Ness. Hey, Derek, how are you doing today? Fantastic, Steve. Thanks for having me. Yeah, so tell us a little bit about you and how you show up in the world. Wow, that's a big question. As of lately, uh, I don't show up in the world as much as I used to because we're all shut in. But uh, <laughs> uh, generally, like my, my big picture purpose in the world is to help people do what I call, uh, I guess, highest level self-expression. Just really be their, their fullest, most powerful, most beautiful self. And my part in that is just helping people to understand money and finance I think there's a lot of really fantastic people out there who are contributing awesome things to the world and, and uh, you know, making things happen. But a lot of them don't have a lot of education around how money and finances work. And just like almost anything that's out there, sort of the conventional wisdom does, isn't always the best way to go about it. So we help people to put systems in place so that they can be their best selves. And that's just something I'm really passionate about. So I spend a lot of my time studying like, how to live uh, the best life that I can, how to lead by example, and really how to share a lot of that information as I've applied it in my life and, and learned about it from other clients uh, so that people can get better results. And that's, that's really it. It's about, for me, showing up is about helping people to understand and realize what they really want in life and then help them put the systems in place to support them in doing that. Because I think a lot of us often are trying to willpower our way to success. And I think there's a lot of value in willpower, but we also know from the science that the more you use willpower, the more it wears out. And one of my favorite quotes is from a book called Atomic Habits. And he says, you don't rise to the level of your willpower. You sink to the level of your systems. So I just try and help people put systems in place that make their life easier and more aligned with where they want to go, almost to the point where if you don't take uh, alternative or purposeful action, the things that really need to get done in alignment with what you want to create, get done. Does that make sense? 
Absolutely, it does. So um, let's start off with the very beginning for people who have no systems in place whatsoever. <laughs> and I know you've ran into those kind of people. Sure. Um, where does a person start? Well, I think, you know, we can, if we want to reel this all the way back, the first thing is you want to have some idea, some inkling, some clue as to like, what, what do I enjoy doing? What do I want to spend my life doing? Because the, the first thing in uh, creating success financially is you have to create value in the world, right? If you don't create some sort of value, nobody's going to pay you for it, whether that's a job or a business or being a homemaker or whatever it is for you like understanding, like, how do I want to spend my time? Because there's no getting out of like, quote unquote work, right? Even just sitting on the couch eventually becomes work because you got to figure out what you're going to watch for TV or how you're going to get food delivered to the house or whatever. Um, so you're going to do work, figuring out what kind of work do I want to do? And then figuring out what skill sets and what relationships do I need in my life in order to get really good at that? And the reason I bring that up is if you don't get really good at your primary career or business or occupation and you don't have a skill set, it's very difficult to turn that into much money. And if you don't make money, it's hard to save taxes. It's hard to be a smart uh, saver or a good investor or get any of that to grow and, and build. So I think the first, first, first step is figure out what you want to do with your life and go about acquiring the skill sets and relationships that will allow you to get really good at that. Is that kind of what you're looking for? Yes, absolutely. So, you know, we've gone along in our business for a little bit um, and a lot of entrepreneurs will just kind of find something they're passionate about and dive into it. And then later on, they're like, Ooh, I wish I would have started those systems from the beginning. Sure. <laughs> you yeah. know? But um, if you find yourself in the quagmire of no really well-defined systems. What system do you think is the best one to start with? <laughs> For that person, probably a system of identifying and creating systems, right? I know that sounds funny, but really I have people look at what needs to be done on a daily basis, not what do you want to do, but like for your business to be successful, what is it that needs to be done every single day or done consistently throughout the week or throughout the month or throughout the year? Start there. Anything that's repetitious, that's got to happen over and over for your business to go and get better and create the results you want. I would identify those things and I would look at how do we streamline that? How do we automate that? How do we hand that off? But just get really clear on the activities that need to happen on a consistent basis and start um, systematizing them. In other words, writing down those steps and exactly how in an ideal scenario you would want those carried out. And then either, you know, there are software solutions for certain things like autoresponders or email marketing or, you know, reminders or communi communicating with clients, or you may have to hand it off to a person. We're all aware that there are virtual assistants or real assistants or specialists out there contractors, different things like that, that can carry this kind of thing out, whether it's social media or, or follow up with clients or whatever, but just really creating the ideal outcome and how you want to go about it, writing that down, um, and then handing it off to someone who that's their entire job or a piece of software that that's their entire uh, responsibility to get that carried out that will, will start to systematize things and create a lot more space for you to do the parts you, only you can do while handing off the parts that need to get done but aren't necessarily a great use of your time or the best use of your time. And so in a perfect world, I know we never lived there, but let's <laughs> let be there today, right? Okay. Um, where would you perfectly love to come into somebody's life and help them out? Yeah, so somebody who's, who's got a business there or, or a career where they're making decent money and they've come to the point where they're sort of out of past survival mode a little bit and they're starting to look at, okay, I'm, I'm making money, I'm out of survival mode and now I'm ready to thrive. I'm really ready to build wealth long-term. I'm willing to put some things in place that are going to be the, you know, the smart thing to do 
for the, for the uh, entirety of my life for the long term, And what, you know, what direction do I want to go? How do I take the money that I'm building up? Right. Cause you, that's the first thing you got to earn it. But once you're starting to earn it, like how do I keep more of it? And how do I be smarter with the money that I am keeping? Like, what should I be doing with that? Those are the people that I really want to help because that's where, honestly, the rabbit hole gets really deep. There's a ton of people out there who want to show you how to grow and manage your money and, you know, invest with them and do all this kind of stuff. But I, I do find that a lot of those, those trails sort of lead to the stock market. And if I'm upfront with you, I'm not a huge fan of the stock market for business owners. Um, not because the stock market is in and of itself a terrible place to go. It's just that most business owners don't care about it. They don't understand it. Um, and it separates them from their money if they're using some version of qualified plan. So now the business owner doesn't have access to that cash. So I'd love to get in someone's life when they're kind of at the point where they're like, okay, we're making some headway or we're making good money, but maybe we're not moving forward as far as building long-term wealth, building toward retirement, building toward college savings. In other words, we're not getting wealthier every, <clears throat> every month and now we want to. That's where I'd love to come in and help them automate that. Do you think people get into their investment portfolio, as it were, too soon or too late? Um, I, don't, I don't think there's such a thing as too soon, as long as you're not uh, depriving yourself. A mistake I do see, though, sometimes, Steve, is people who have, let's say you've got credit card debt at 15%, 20%, and they're, in, and they're thinking, I need to put money into an investment portfolio. Well, if you look at the math on average, and we won't even go into the fact that averages are totally misleading, but on average, people are making six to 7% in the market over time. If you've got a credit card at 15%, paying that credit card off is a guaranteed 15% rate of return. So why would you put money in the market first instead of paying off that bad debt, right? Like there's zero risk. Like the market does have risk. Paying down a credit card doesn't. Um, so I, what I see is sometimes people, I think people, it's great for people to set money aside and get it growing as early as possible. But if they're carrying bad debt, and what I mean by bad debt is expensive debt, because like home mortgages or even a lot of student loans, some car loans, like that's good debt. It's super cheap. You can earn more than uh, on, with those dollars than if you tried to pay off the, the car or the house early and save interest on that better. So I, I don't think there's such a thing as too early. So I think usually people start too late, if anything. Um, but the big mistake with starting early is if you're doing that while you're carrying a bunch of debt, because you're essentially losing more money to interest paid out than you are earning for interest paid in. Does that make sense? It does. Absolutely. I'm afraid you probably have a few financial advisors that are shooting at you now, but I like where your head's at. <laughs> yeah, listen, and I think, uh, I think the market has its place for certain people. I just think business owners are a really special breed. We have the ability to take dollars and earn so much more than that five, six, seven percent that you can get in the market. Um, and that's not to say that you shouldn't be saving money somewhere, but the problem with, with a lot of market-based stuff, especially as it's being sold, is it's inside of these government-qualified plans, right? These are 401ks, IRAs. SEPs, that kind of stuff. And the problem is once you put the money in, it's very difficult to get access to that money. So now as a, as a business owner, once you let go of that money, you don't get it until 59 and a half. And most business owners I know can earn a whole lot more than the market ever would. Like a, a really simple example I use all the time is, let's say you had $10,000 and you took that $10,000 and you invested it in the market and it had a good year. You made 10%. And I think all of us would agree if you can get 10%, that's a really nice rate of return. And then there's fees and taxes and all that, but we'll just take that out of it. So you ended the year with $11,000. So that's a good year in the market. What if you took that $10,000 and you invested in your business in marketing or uh, part-time help or something like that, that would help you produce more. And a marketing campaign is probably the easiest one, but do you think that you could earn more than $1,000 of profit on a $10,000 investment in marketing. And most of my clients say, absolutely, I could double or triple that money. And so 
why would you take that money, tie it up to, in a best case scenario, produce so much less than you could do in your own business, right? So that's the problem I have with, uh, with a lot of the money that's going into the market is you can't use it now. Now, regular stocks and things like that outside of qualified plans, you can do that. Um, the trick with those is I think they distract business owners because they're so worried about what's the market doing that their head's not focused on their business. And you're going to make so much more money in your business than you ever would in the stock market that I feel like if you have to choose between the two, I'd rather have your money growing somewhere where it's going to be consistent and you can just really be focused on being a great business owner. It creates peace of mind. It creates uh, confidence because you're working in something you control your business versus something you don't usually control the larger market. So I just think it really empowers people to be focused on what's most important um, while growing their money as opposed to being distracted by that. So I know I'm opening up like a ton of loopholes here, but I think it's important to bring some of these different elements up because nobody ever talks about this stuff, like the, the value of not being distracted versus being focused. Like it's a really big deal. So I want to go a little further down the road than the brand new person who never did anything, but now we've got a savvy business owner that, um, you know, is at that place where they're going to do a little bit of investing. And I know that they want to work with you and we're going to talk about how they can contact you here in just a minute. But first, let's give them something that they could do themselves right now, right after having listened to this little segment on the podcast. Well, this isn't going to go the direction you think it's going to go, but for most of those people, Steve, I think the low hanging fruit is getting serious about taxes. Like that sounds kind of crazy, but we find that per hundred thousand dollars of income, even people with a CPA paying a professional, they're overpaying taxes by $11,300 per hundred thousand of income. So if you're making a hundred 150, 200,000, you're probably overpaying 15 or $20,000. And there's a couple of simple things that people can consider or learn how to do with their taxes that can make a really big difference in that. So if you want, I can share a couple of those ideas with you. Um, I'm, yes, please. Yeah. And so my disclaimer is I work on high level tax strategy. I'm not a CPA. Double check with your t- CPA to make sure this is right for you. But a couple of things that we see all the time. The most obvious one is if you, if you have a business and you're taking all of your income as salary, that may not be the best way to take your income. What I mean is as a business owner, especially if you have something that's like an S corp or an LLC that's being taxed as an S corp, you can take some of your income as uh, dividends, right? Or owner's equity and dividends essentially like, any work that's being done in your business that doesn't require you to physically do it. It's not active income. So if you're a dentist and you have hygienists, right, you make money from their activity, but you're not physically doing it. Or if you have a construction company, or if you have a online coaching business and you have um, people out there doing joint ventures or social selling or things like that, selling your products, you're not physically responsible for that all that income can theoretically be taken as dividends. And when you take it as dividends, you don't pay self-employment tax on that. So for a lot of people that saves them seven and a half percent tax on that money. So for a lot of people that'll put some, you know, three, four, five, dollars $10,000 back in your pocket, depending on how much of your income you can do that with. And there's a way to figure out how much should I take as a salary and how much should I take as a dividend? Your CPA can help you with that. Or, you know, we've got people who help figure that stuff out. So that's one. Another one is if you have a primary residence, uh, you can take and rent your primary residence out for 14 days a year and that income won't be taxable. This falls under something that's kind of widely known as the Augusta rule. And essentially what a lot of business owners can do and they're not taking advantage of is if you're using your primary residence, your home, um, for business activities, let's say a holiday party, let's say company retreats, or you have clients over for, to do things, or you do team building exercises or anything like that, your business can rent your house from you. You would want to have a lease agreement. You would want to, you know, make sure you're charging yourself in accordance with local rates, but that money can be paid from your business to you personally. 
in the first 14 days you do that with, you don't have to pay taxes on that income. So it's, it's a great way to get money from the business into your personal account without, uh, without paying taxes. And then I think the last one that I'll mention here is if you own a building um, or you know, your, your office building or whatever, there's something called cost segregation. And essentially what that is, is it's a way to accelerate depreciating that building. You have an engineer come in and there are companies that do these. Um, they come in, they reclassify a lot of the building as equipment. So the plumbing, garage doors, the electrical, if you've got counters and desktops and all that kind of stuff, they can reclassify that as uh, equipment, which can be depreciated over five, seven, 10, 15 years, depending on what it is. So you can get a lot more depreciation, which means you pay a lot less tax today. Now it doesn't necessarily save you, like if you have the building for the whole 40 years and depreciate it, you only get to depreciate the same amount, but money today is worth a lot more than money 30 or 40 years from now. So if you can take the depreciation right away, um, and even when you replace some of that equipment, you remodel the office or whatever, now you've got new equipment to depreciate. So you can get a lot more tax savings and you can be strategic about how you take that sometimes if you've got a really high income year or some other things to maneuver that so that you optimize your taxes. So I think as a business owner, if you just took like those three things, if they apply to you and utilize them, and there are lots of other things that you can do. Like I do a whole mat tax master class every six to eight weeks on it's like seven days of us talking at like an hour a day about different things like this, different strategies you can do. Um, it really makes a big difference for people because you don't have to go earn a bunch of extra money. You're just properly structuring and writing off the stuff that you're already doing. And that, that can be a huge winner. So I think for a business owner, that's, that's a, that's the total low hanging fruit without any risk at all of going out and investing and doing all that other stuff. And we can talk about like growing your money other places if you want, but I think that's the first place I would look for a business owner. Derek, that is such hugely helpful stuff. For a person who wants to go deeper with you, maybe even have you help them determine what other tax strategies they should use, how can they get in contact with you? Well, there's two ways. I know a lot of people listen to podcasts on their phone. So if you want to, you can text the word big life with my company's called big life financial. So B I G L I F E to three, eight, four, seven, zero. That's three, eight, four, seven, zero. Or you can just visit my website, biglifefinancial.com. And there's a button there that says work with us, or um, I think it's in the top right corner and it will allow you to schedule on my calendar and we can just do a free assessment. You know, I'm, I've, one of my beliefs as far as uh Charity goes is I've got an hour for anybody to sit down, go through things, see if I can help somebody. Um, even if we don't work together, my hope is that people will walk away with some ideas, some strategies, some things that they can um, implement in their business. But I find that unless somebody's like dead broke and just barely, barely getting started, chances are real good we can help them implement some things that are going to make a difference in their financial situation. And I just I just thrive on like digging in with people, understanding what they want out of life and helping them put systems in place so that they can do that. Derek, I really appreciate that information. It's really great stuff. And thanks for being with us on the show today. Totally happy to. And uh, I appreciate you having me. Continuing on with our commercial free show today. Here comes another great guest. Get ready to take some notes and let's really enjoy this last guest. Join me in welcoming Kathy Guggener. Hey, Kathy, how are you doing today? I am doing great, Steve. So excited to be here with you. Yeah. And sorry if I totally botched your last name. I do with everybody. No, you know what? You got you got it. You oh. you did it right. Congratulations. It's like now I'm on a roll. Yay me. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So tell us a little bit about yourself and how you show up in this world. So, um, well, I am a business coach and trainer exclusively for virtual assistants. And so I do kind of two things. One is I coach and train professional women to become the highest quality virtual assistants there are, which I've trademarked as virtual experts. And then when I put my other hat on, 
I help entrepreneurs, business owners, anybody who's looking for a virtual assistant, I do free matchmaking for them with the people who have graduated from my program. So what should a person be looking for when they're critiquing and finding themselves a good VA? Yeah, so number one, um, I really believe that you need to identify what it is that you want that virtual assistant to do for you. And if it's something specialized, like for example, if there's a software program that you use that you want them to be able to run for you, they need to specialize in that. Um, for example, I use Kajabi. So I have a virtual assistant who has specialized in Kajabi. She knows how to run it. Uh, you know, she's, they're independent contractors, so I don't train them. They come in already an expert in whatever they do. Or if you wanted a bookkeeper, you would need to find a virtual assistant who specializes in bookkeeping. Now, are there general virtual assistants? Sure. Um, that's usually what you're going to want when you're very first starting out and you have no idea what you, what you need in a virtual assistant. But if you just think about it a little bit and kind of go through what it is you really need help with, you're going to be, be able to identify that area of specialization. Is that helpful, Steve? Yeah, it is. So what are a couple of the differences between an expert VA mm -hmm. and just, you know, any old person you hire to do work for you? Mm -hmm. Sure. So, <laughs> so Steve, in the virtual assistant industry, there are no credentials needed, no certifications needed. There's no uh, degree or anything like that. So the good and the bad news is it's really easy to become a VA. You just say, I'm a VA. Okay. That's the good news because it's inexpensive to become a VA. The bad news is that means about 80% of everyone who says they are a VA really has absolutely no idea what they're doing. So what you're looking for when you want somebody that's at the expert level is you want somebody who has a business of their own setup. Okay. So they're not doing this as a hobby. They know they have contracts you know, to work with you, they know their pricing, they know what they specialize in, or that they're a general VA, and um, they're going to be able to guide you through um, how to work with them. So they're not going to lean on you. They're going to take work off your plate rather than adding to your challenges. Um, they're going to meet deadlines. They're going to be professional. They're going to be proactive. And by that, I mean, they're going to find ways for you to save money and or find ways for you to make more money. So a virtual expert, they're going to be a profit generating virtual assistant for you rather than somebody who isn't at that level. They're going to be an expense for you. Okay. Um, of course, whenever we start talking with the word expert, it always makes us think, wow, that's going to be really expensive. So how much more does it cost to hire an expert VA versus, you know, somebody from the Philippines or something like that? Sure. If what you want is somebody from the Philippines, um, then, and then you are going to be wanting somebody that is the lowest price. You're going to be shopping on price. Okay. And you're going to pay five to $10 an hour. Now, one of the challenges with that is, a lot of times, depending on who you go through to get that um, Philippine virtual assistant, five to ten dollars an hour sounds good, but you have to make sure what the package is that they're selling because sometimes they require you to purchase a package that might be fifteen hundred dollars a month. You don't need that many hours, so you could actually hire a virtual expert at forty-five dollars an hour, for example, and save money because you might only need that person for 10 hours a month and that would be $450 a month rather than $1,500 a month. So be sure you're comparing apples to apples. Um, then when you look at uh, USA, Canadian, Australian, um, you know, first world country based virtual assistants and virtual experts, the general level of pricing is, and I'm going to tell you the hourly rates, and then I'm going to tell you um, about a monthly budget, okay? So the hourly rates for a general virtual assistant is $25 an hour on the average, 
an hourly rate for a virtual expert is $45 an hour on the average. And the reason I say on the average is because depending on what they specialize in, it could be slightly lower or slightly higher. Now, when you think about, if you've never had a independent contractor that you work with, a freelancer you work with, and you've only worked with employees, when you hear that hourly rate, your brain is gonna be exploding, right? Because you're thinking about even at a part-time employee, that's 20 hours a week. Well, when you work with a virtual assistant or a virtual expert, you use them on an as-needed basis. So for example, you might need them 10 hours a month. You might need them 20 hours a month. You're most likely never going to need one a full 20 hours a week even, okay? Especially if you uh, find those who specialize because they're really fast at what they do. In fact, studies have been done that show that um, well-trained uh, expert, virtual experts are three times faster at accomplishing tasks than employees are. And there's really valid reasons for that. Number one, they are specialized. Number two, the clock for them starts when they start working for you. And it stops if they have to get up and go to the bathroom or answer the phone or anything like that. Employees, you know, they're on the clock and they're doing whatever they're doing, right? And a lot of it is productive, but some of it isn't. So those are kind of ways to look at that, Steve. What about times when you have things that are really, you know, there's no way of squeezing that time, but it's really specific. Can you get somebody that would, you know, potentially be less expensive? You know, like if you need somebody to take notes during a meeting that's every Wednesday at one o'clock for an hour. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You can get somebody to do that. Um, one of the things that I actually look at, Steve, is are there things that um, you might even ask your virtual expert to do at, um, you know, for free for you? So, for example, if this meeting that they're going to attend is training that you're giving and they're going to learn from it, I'm going to ask them, hey, if you, you know, since you're going to be learning from this as you're there, would you mind just taking notes and, you know, this isn't going to be you on the clock, right? Now, if it's not going to be valuable, valuable for them, then I would recommend that you pay them for that hour. It's just going to be an hour and you could have a general VA do that. You don't need a specialist to take notes. So it'd be 25 bucks. Okay. So where and do there you, are other things they can, there, there are probably other things they can do for you during that hour other than take notes. Like, for example, if it's on Zoom, they can be the one, you know, uh, monitoring the chat or whatever else needs to be done on Zoom. They can, they can multitask and get a lot done in that hour for you. So where with a virtual person do you draw the line between set price for a project and an hourly price? Sure. So there are certain things that I feel that I feel really are best project rate. And there's others that you really can't set a project rate on very, very easily. So let me give you some examples. I prefer to pay a project rate, a flat rate for a writer. So for example, I, I pay a flat rate for a blog, for a blog post. And we discuss the length I want the average blog post to be. And, you know, do I want them to find a photo for it? Do I want them to load it? All of those things. And then we agree upon a flat rate per blog post. We, it, it might also depend on how many you're going to have them write. So, for example, if you're going to have them write one a month, you're going to pay premium price versus if you're going to have them write two a week, they're going to be willing to decrease that price a bit for you because they're doing more work. So the reason I like to do project pricing on um, writing is because no matter how good of a writer you are, the length of time it takes you to write it can really vary. So you can be a fantastic writer and take 10 hours to do something, and you can be a fantastic writer and take two hours to do something. It all depends on your process as a writer. And I don't want to get involved in that creative process and tell a writer, well, you can only spend two hours on it because that's just going to frustrate them. So that's why I go with a project rate for that. 
I feel like it's uh, more, it, it's better for everybody. And then when it's something like um, you need them to, and I'm, I'm blanking, <laughs> I'm blanking on exactly what it is that they could do that can only be hourly. Um, but it could be like, if you want them to periodically make a phone call and, and do something, and it's not a set time or a set number of things that you're asking them to do, then that would probably need to be an hourly rate. Um, one of the things that you might think should be an hourly is like if you have a VA do your calendar management or your email management. I hired somebody to do that for me. She manages both of them and it really makes sense to do both of them. And she charges a flat monthly rate. And um, at first I was feeling a little uncomfortable about that because sometimes you're like, are they really, am, am I really getting my value? And what you want to watch with something like that is, um, are you really getting your value? Do you feel like, wow, she has taken so much work off of my plate that this is fantastic. Right. Another way you might look at it is um, I have somebody who gets spots for me like this um, to be guests on podcasts. So I pay a flat monthly rate to get two podcast spots a month because that's how many I want to speak on. So that's another way to do it. So I don't know how long it takes the person to get get me two spots. Um, it doesn't matter to me. I go by the value of what those two spots are. So what do you think about that, Steve? I like it. Yeah, thank you. So if somebody is looking for something to supplement what they're already doing or they need to pivot or whatever, and they want to become a virtual assistant, what would that process mm -hmm. look like? So, in, you know, in this new economy, um, a lot has changed, Steve. V virtual assistants and virtual experts, the industry was already just um, growing exponentially. But as you, I'm sure you can imagine, once COVID hit, we just skyrocketed because those people who were already online, they increased what they were doing online. And those who weren't online suddenly needed to get online. Um, so anybody who's thinking about this, this is just an amazing time. In fact, I don't know if you saw the article, but um, uh, Shark Tank, you know, Shark Tank and the guy that calls himself Mr. Wonderful, Kevin O'Leary. Yes. <laughs> he was interviewed um, for an article and he said if he had to come up with a side hustle right now, he would become a virtual assistant because it is in such high demand. So whether you're like, for example, for me, I was a marketing manager at a Fortune 500 company and the term virtual assistant really turned me off. I thought, I'm not an assistant. I'm a marketing manager. And when I let go of my ego <laughs> and realized how much money I could make as a virtual assistant working from home with all the flexibility I want, I was like, oh yeah, that sounds really good. I don't care what they call me. Um, I built a multiple six figure virtual assistant business before I pivoted to become the business coach and trainer for virtual experts instead of actually doing the work myself. So you can be a manager of any type. If you were an office manager, I was a marketing manager. If you were an IT manager, any kind of manager. Um, if you were, of course, an executive assistant, that's, a, that's just a very easy pivot there. Teachers are another industry that can pivot very easily into working as a virtual assistant. They are already, you know, they love to learn, which you have to be able to do if you want to work online because things change so quickly. They already have some area they specialize in. Like if they're um, an English uh, teacher, they can write. If they are a math teacher or an accounting teacher, they could do bookkeeping or, you know, Excel spreadsheets or whatever it is. If they're an engineer teacher, they could uh, do project management or there's just an unlimited amount of things that teachers can easily pivot to. And right now, I know a lot of teachers are struggling because they might not want to go back to the classroom or they might not want to teach from home. And this is a great option for them. And in fact, they can make as much money um, working as a virtual assistant as they do as a teacher. That's excellent. Well, Kathy, I really appreciate you spending some time with us. Give us um, one tip that somebody who wants to become a virtual assistant could do right now today? Yeah. 
Um, so one tip, if you want to become a virtual assistant today is to think about what you might want to specialize in. And here's how I would do that. Think about what you really enjoy doing. Okay. Now, if you already love this, what you're doing, what you have been doing, like if you've been a bookkeeper and you already love it, that, you know, that's super easy. That's what you should do. But if you've been a bookkeeper and you're like, you know what, I really don't like being a bookkeeper, then think about what it is you really like. Okay. Uh, for example, Allie, who is in my program, she was a bookkeeper in her corporate career. And that was not something she liked to do. You know, sometimes those corporations, they just stick in whatever position they need you in. They don't care what you really want to do, what your passions really are. And that's where she was. She was in a corporate job where they didn't care that she really loved to write, had a passion to write. So when she realized that she could write as a virtual assistant, um, and that's really what she enjoyed, that's what she decided to do as a virtual assistant. Let me give you a, an example that's a little bit harder to think about. So uh, there's a guy, yes, guys do become VAs. There, it's about 90% women and 10% men at this point, but the industry is growing. More men are joining um, in this new economy. There's a guy who, he liked bookkeeping, so he wanted to keep doing that, but he didn't really like the type of clients he was working with at his corporate job. What he loved was dog rescue. He had a huge passion for dogs. So what he ended up doing was bookkeeping for pet professionals and specifically dog walkers. And he ended up with 50 dog walkers across the U.S. that he did bookkeeping for. Wow, that is really super cool. So Kathy, if somebody wants to go deeper with you, they'd like to work with you or find out more about it, how would they get in contact with you? So I have a special page set up just for you, Steve, and your podcast. So you can go to virtualexperttraining.com forward slash thriving and there you're going to you'll immediately know it, it, that you found the right place because you're going to see steve's graphic and then on that page there are three different options for you uh, two free things where you can begin learning more and uh, taking steps further on what i just suggested that you do first which is identifying what it is you want to specialize in and then one training that you can take that i have discounted drastically it's five-day training program that you can get for just 17 dollars well kathy i really appreciate you spending some time with us on the show today yeah steve thank you so much i appreciate you too that was a fun way to do a show. We crammed in three really amazing guests because I really wanted to give you some extra value today because you know what? You are uniquely brilliant. You were created for a purpose and the world needs you. I wanted to be able to get some of these guests that I've got their recordings archived out to you and to begin to be able to help you live your life as a thriving entrepreneur. Until we're together again next time, I hope you have an amazingly great week. Thanks for listening to Thriving Entrepreneur today. If you want to get your question answered, send an email to questions at wehelpyouthrive.com. We look forward to you joining us again next time. who's on a mission stand out with your brand out <laughs> check this out guys yep everything's marketing and marketing is everything your existing book can become a best-selling book or even hey like mine a number one international best-selling book in five days listen if your business isn't known by everybody it's obscurity and that's death right the same thing is true for your book if you're not happy with the way your book is performing you got that far and then it just fell off the face of the planet kind of feeling Go to yourbestsellertoday.com, schedule a talk with Steve,
believe. It's risk-free. It's guaranteed. It's proven. We've done it thousands of times. What are you waiting for? Yes, yourbestsellertoday.com. This time next week, you could have a beautiful seal on your book and get the attention that you deserve. Reach the people that you came to serve. Come on now. What are you waiting for? Grab a pen. Here we go. All you got to do is book a call, yourbestsellertoday.com. Go to yourbestsellertoday.com. Book a talk with Steve. It's proven. It's guaranteed. It's going to happen. All you have to do is say yes to your destiny. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.